You are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential. Derived from our maker, that is liberty. And liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And greetings, happy Tuesday here on the Steve Day Show. I got my days right. But he emailed me this morning to tell me that I started off yesterday's podcast with Happy Wednesday. <laughs> Listen, man, well, you just had to go Snake Plissken, escape from Chicago. I was aging in dog years over there, man. I got a lot. Of, we got a lot of reaction to yesterday's podcast. By the way, we, I'm glad everybody got a good laugh. At your expense. At my expense, yeah. yes. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. Our podcast here on Westwood One is powered each day by CRTV. And we just wrapped up production for today's CRTV show. Let's give the audience a preview of what's to come, Todd. Well, uh, the lamest economic Super Bowl ever. We discussed that. <laughs> um, we we also discussed on um, on fake news or not what Chuck Schumer is secretly saying behind closed doors. Hmm. Um, not going to tell you. You got to watch the show. But it, it it's yeah it's things are not uh, things are not pretty right now for for the Democrats. Um. But at the same time, it's exactly how their base wants it to be. Yes. And that's why they're trapped. Yeah. If this were three weeks from now, they could be in real trouble. Oh, yeah. But they need, they need to move, they need to get Trump back on television as soon as absolutely possible. So if you want to know what we mean by that, so you can watch today's CRTV show. And to become a subscriber, if you're not yet one, use my name as a promo code DACE, D-E-A-C-E. Use my name as a promo code and you'll get a discounted subscription to CRTV. It'll cost you just a quarter a day, not just for us, but the great one, Mark Levin, the entire team here at CRTV. CRTV.com, promo code DACE. All right, today is a Pop Culture Tuesday podcast. This is when we take a look at the intersection between culture and conservatism. And I'm going to talk about a couple of things I've watched recently. One is a television show, one is a movie. And the contradictions expressed by the worldviews therein. And whether they're aware of the contradictions or not. You know, on, on the way back from uh, Illinois mon- on Sunday, you know, because I, I, I was coming back on a Sunday, I didn't have a chance to go to church. So we had to have some church in the vehicle. So I listened to about two hours of uh, Ravi Zacharias podcasts. Always good. Yeah. And he was talking about the death of reason in the West, the death of certainty. That now, if you're emotional enough, you can argue for squared circles and people will feel as if they need to take you seriously 
because as you said last week about the deeply if you've been deeply impacted by the notion that there needs to be squared circles or that they even exist then because you've been deeply impacted we have to take you seriously yep. right that's okay. all that matters and i thought about those podcasts when i watched this movie and this tv show in the last couple of days that we're going to talk about before we get into them quick warning there could be spoilers if you ever intended, if you thought, oh, this is interesting, maybe I'll watch. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to do my best to get around spoiling these things just in case, but it may not be possible. So I just want to warn everybody up front. There could be potential spoilers as, as I discuss these two uh, programs I watched recently. Okay. And, and, the, and the contradictory um, worldviews they're in, which Ravi was also talking about, which is he now, he now gets attacked when he goes and speaks around the world for pointing out glaring contradictions in the challenges he receives. And he told a story about it. He was at the university of Iowa. He said this happened, mm. which <laughs> that's I, not a surprise. That guy knows yeah. it. No, it was, you know, in the backseat pretending not to pay attention, but he, I saw him sit up when he heard the university of Iowa. So the woke, yeah. Diverse folks at Iowa are going after the Indian chap. He, he talked. <laughs> nice. Yes. yes. He talked about it at the University of Iowa where a student got up and asked him, how do I know I exist? <laughs> and Ravi, Ravi's response to him was, I'd like to... I wish issue, you didn't. <laughs> I, uh, no. That'd have been my response. Yes, it would have. And that's why he's doing his thing out there and I'm not. Because I would just leave a trail of tears everywhere, everywhere to such dumbassery. But he'll find a clever way to do the same thing where I will just throat punch you verbally. All right. And so Ravi's response was, um, if you're not certain you exist, then to whom shall I address this answer? (laughs) All right. And then and then a professor asked him a question. That not not everything needs to have a certainty or an explanation. Oh no, she she got up and asked him, "Why do you think everything requires a certainty or an explanation?" And his response back to her was, "Are you certain you want me to answer that question?" Nice, that's even better. <laughs> so we, you know, he he in this in these podcasts, he was talking about what I talk about all the time that philosophy has laws like any other science. And one of the the number one law in philosophy, it, it you've heard me describe it. And I've I've told you what it is, but the term is the law of non contradiction. Is the number one law in philosophy. And you, and the law of non contradiction is when you hear me say, for one side's assertion to be true, so must the opposite. Like I can't say everything is relative. Because the, for everything, everything is a statement of what? Truth. Of absolute. Yeah. And so right away, I'm contradicting my own statement, right? And that's what the law of non-contradiction is in philosophy. And that we live in a culture now where we used to mock people for making contradictory statements. We now elevate and elect them. And if you, and if you, if you straighten out their contradictions, you're the fiend. And man, I had his his words ringing in my ears watching this. What, what Amy selected it was her turn for family movie night on Sunday. 
and we watched a movie called The Thinning. And then I had Ravi's words in my ring in my ears last night as I finished season two of Iron Fist on Netflix. So we'll get to season, the, the finale of season two on Net, on, of Iron Fist on Netflix in a moment. But The Thinning, the reason why Amy picked this movie is she's a big fan, I think, of the Shirley Jackson short story. What's it called? The Lottery. You guys familiar with that story? About the small town that has a lottery, about who has to be executed every year? No. Okay, it's a very famous American short story. And Shirley Jackson, who's written other scary stories and uh, that Stephen King said it, at times he was inspired by as a youth, she wrote, I think it's, she's the author of this famous short story called The Lottery, and Amy loved it as a little girl, and uh, she's watched a couple of like, you know, Lifetime movie or A&E movie productions of this short story. And this is a, this is a loosely based adaptation of that. It's kind of a cross between Divergent, Remember those movies from the last few years? Yes. It's a cross between Divergent and Shirley Jackson's The Lottery. Plus, the the cast are a bunch of, of YouTube and former Disney Channel alums that our kids would grow up watching. And so she thought it would be something that, you know, people that were on Hey Jesse or on other Disney shows that our kids liked watching uh, a few years ago make up the cast. So here's the plot line of the movie. The United Nations has issued a stern warning about overpopulation to the rest of the planet. And essentially, all the nations on the earth give up their national sovereignty in order to have the UN oversee their population reduction efforts in order to save the earth. What we're doing in the United States is... We're putting a premium on education. And every year, starting, I think it's in the second or third grade, every year there's a standardized test given to every student. And the bottom 5% in every class, the dumbest, are euthanized. So we call the herd every year. All right? Every year. Until you graduate from high school. And then the students have to take this test every year and the bottom 5% are euthanized. And countries are permitted on what they are allowed to do. Uh, It mentions, you know, China's one child policy. It mentions other countries are eliminating the old and infirmed. Okay. The quote unquote useless eaters. Um, But the United States, because to promote meritocracy has decided only the smart people advance. When there's a scene in the film when they do the the when they do this for the first time to this little kid this little kid's classroom, this second grade classroom, and they make them watch a cartoon. And the cartoon is creepy, man. It's basically a it's a hymn to the state. And how you should be proud to be giving up your life. These kids are like eight years old. You should be proud to be giving up your life for Mother Earth and the state, and your fellow human beings. Now, let me stop there for a second. This is the baseline worldview of the movie. And it's very clear that that those promoting this worldview are bad. These are the bad guys. Okay? Whose worldview is this? Progressive. It's the progressive worldview. 
to whom much is given, or, or, or to each according to his abilities, for each according to his needs. This is Darwinian evolution. The weak prey on the, or the strong prey on the weak. Culling of the herd. Utilitarian ethics. I mean, essentially, this is, this is the post, this is Planned Parenthood's worldview post-birth, basically. And it's very clear, this is the worldview of the villains in the movie. We would, re- that we would recognize that this is the progressive viewpoint. Human beings are not given inherent dignity and worth regardless of their individual capabilities because they're made in the image of, of a loving God, their intelligent designer, a creator, if you will. This is the worldview we fight back against all the time, right? And so this, this is the worldview of the villains in the movie. But then the guy who's the face of the villains in the movie is the governor of a state who ruthlessly pursues this policy to elevate his presidential aspirations. What state do you think he's governor of? Texas. Texas. He even says in the movie that this is how we're going to make America great again. So now follow me here. In the film, it's called The Thinning. We surrender our sovereignty to the United Nations. Who wants, who is advocating the surrender of our national sovereignty to a globalistic body? Leftists. Is it Donald Trump or leftists? Leftists. Leftists. So they make a movie where the leftist philosophy is the villain. But the inhabitant of this philosophy is the caricature of Donald Trump from the conservative Valhalla state of Texas. And that got me to thinking. You know, we've seen leftists accuse Trump of being a fascist. And what's my law? What's my number one rule of fascism, guys? What's my number one rule? How if you can accuse somebody that you, they're a fascist, they're not. Probably not yes. because yeah. you wouldn't be able to say it. Fascists don't let you call them fascists. Yes. Yeah. The fascists are the ones beating you for your political beliefs, not the ones receiving the, the beating, guys. Okay? Here's my question. Because I could give numerous examples like this. Where the law of non-contradiction is just tossed aside. They're asserting things that their worldview is guilty of and they firmly act as if they believe the worldview they're opposed to is responsible for it. And I lived with an abuser. I don't mean like when... Uh, when Dave would hit Vicky and say stuff to her like, "You, I'm sorry, but you know, you yelled at me and you made me do it. I'm not talking stuff like that. I'm talking real cognitive dissonance here. Like, 
on half of your brain is saying this worldview is bad and evil. I don't want any part of it. And then the other half of your brain says the people that are actually opposed to this worldview are responsible for the worldview. I'm telling you at the same time, at the same time, I'm vehemently opposed to. This, and, and I see this in our culture a lot. This is beyond double-mindedness. This is split personality stuff. Believe all women, except for the 65 who came out to support Kavanaugh. Yes. I saw last night Chris Cuomo said, told your boy, or, uh, told your boy uh, Rick Santorum that when Rick Santorum asserted numerous people have come forward to testify to Brett Kavanaugh's <laughs> credibility, Chris Cuomo said to him right on camera, I saw the clip. That's not true. Except it's easily verifiably true. I mean, it's now th- that doesn't mean, by the way, those women are believable. Right. Right. But that's not the, that's not what that, that's not what Rick Santorum just, asserted. Just the standard that that's, that's yes. being asserted. How do we explain this? Take the political leaders and figures out of the way. How much does the average person claiming to be a progressive? really know what it is they're claiming to believe is it possible you know we always scoff and mock these stats that 78 percent of americans call themselves christians we know that's not true how many people are vehemently out there advocating for something that they really don't know they've been so worked over they don't know what it is and they're actually pushing back on the antidote to what they what they're telling us they don't agree with and they don't believe todd what are your thoughts on this I, I think there are a fair number of people who would embrace the term progressive who can be adequately described as you just did, who are in over their head, are not entirely certain of the game they've gotten involved with. But I'd also submit to you that the number of people who claim progressives who absolutely do believe at least the lion's share of things they claim to be might be a higher percentage of those who claim to be Christians. Because the only way progressivism like that can exist is if we have the problem in a once-dominated Christian culture in the first place, if we just sell Hmm. out the meaning of that to the point of nothingness almost. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I was going, Todd. Um, It is easy to understand how you could be so double-minded when it comes to progressivism because culturally it plays on your emotions and when you have a society that is collectively i guess i shouldn't say uh less smart or less intelligent but is more invested in being titillated Hmm. which is more of a spiritual problem again it becomes easier to prey on the emotions um, than it would be for a society who is more invested in in intellect, intellectual pursuits. I guess that's the easiest way. Because Todd is absolutely right. The people who are most sold out for progressivism that I have seen also claim to be some form of Christian. What about if you've paid five seconds of attention to Donald Trump five seconds what about 
what about how he's governed and how he has communicated? Which leads you to believe that he he seeks to sign he seeks to have the United Nations govern America's population policy. I, what would seek you to believe this? There's I, that that's uh, is there anyone yes. there? I don't why why would anybody watch somebody getting beaten for their political beliefs on cable news and assume the one on the receiving end of the beating is the fascist? Why would anybody anybody believe that? Well, but you don't they really don't start off with the the details first. They just start off with the fact that Donald and this is where Kavanaugh is, this is where heck the three of us we we're just we're guilty. They start there. Yeah, we're not human. Yes. Will Jeff Flake rejoin the rest of humanity by calling for a delay? I saw that headline last week. All right, so what you guys are telling me then, we're talking about deeply embedded idolatry then. Yeah. Oh, sure. Like like one of the saddest scenes in the Old Testament. And I can't remember if it's the Assyrian siege or the Babylonian siege. But the king of Israel comes upon, two women come up to the king of Israel. and And they want him to settle this dispute. And the dispute is, hey, we cooked my baby yesterday and ate him for food because we're starving. And I agreed that we would eat my baby today, provided that she agreed to kill her baby and cook her baby for food so we could eat tomorrow. And she won't keep up her end of the bargain. And what happens next is the king does the, the, um, the Near Eastern cultural symbol for repentance and remorse tears off his clothes okay and you think he's going to be like what kind of people have we become god forgive us and essentially he does he sees this and shakes instead of recognizing this is happening because of their own their own spiritual wickedness he essentially shakes his fist at god and says how could you allow this to happen total Total, we're, we're beyond clinical cognitive d- dissonance now. You're talking about deeply embedded idolatry. Oh. We're, we're like, this is Romans 1 stuff, right? Yeah. Given over to your own depraved mind. That's what you're saying? That's is that where what you you're go. claiming? How long, we've been asking the question, you know, did God really say and what kind of God would? These have been going on for decades now, Steve. Our adult lives, we've been dabbling in this, Steve. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've been witnessing this happening. So natural consequences are uh, setting deep, deep roots now. Here's the other thing I saw. Back to the law of non-contradiction. So I'm finishing up season two of Iron Fist last night. And guys, I, 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 I'm i not new at this. I, I'm the kid that used to buy Power Man and Iron Fist Heroes for Hire comic books when I was little, okay? I'm well aware of the fact. I also watched, um, you know, the show Kung Fu where he walked the earth. I am well aware, I'm not shocked that a show about Far Eastern mysticist based superheroes doesn't have a fully formed Judeo-Christian worldview. That's not what I'm going to bring up, okay? One of the subplots in the in the in the, in season 2 is Danny Rand who is uh, the Iron Fist. Um his brother who runs Rand Corporation on a day-to-day basis. Is, is his his life is really just coming apart at the seams with addiction. And so he starts going to NA, Narcotics Anonymous. While there, um, 
him and his sponsor start hooking up. And she gets pregnant. And um, he realizes that he has really finally got to get a hold of his addiction, his life, turn his life around, right? Okay. And they have a conversation when he's pleading with her in the season finale. They have a conversation where he's pleading with her to let him, he's got wealth, means, he wants to do the right thing. He wants to step in and be a father to this child. And he makes the case to her that maybe this is some form of, you know, divine fate that has stepped in, brought us together, and realized that now we have, we're going to have this child that both of us now, it's essentially time to grow up. And, you know, throughout the course of, the, of this season when he's been doing the 12 steps, they mention the higher power. Like right out of, the, you know, the 12-step the program, okay? And accountability to the higher power and everything else. His sponsor says to him, and I'm quoting her, I do believe in the higher power, she says. I just don't believe that it's an instructive one. That's a direct quote. I seared the old photographic memory said, remember that for tomorrow's show. Quote, I do believe in the higher power. I just don't believe it's an instructive one, she says. Meaning, one that... You know, my favorite verse, Romans 8, 28, all things work together for the glory of God and for those called according to his purposes. What Joseph says to his brothers, what you meant for evil, God used for good. That, there's, there's, there's no instruction happening. There's no coordination of events meant to keep you accountable to teach you lessons, to grow you as a person, that that because if, if there's a higher power and he, she, or it is not instructive, then she is essentially asserting she believes in random chance. Now, my issue is not with her believing in randomness or random chance. Right now, we're calling the smartest people in the universe Folks that believe the two trillion cells in your body and mine and in all the other seven billion beings currently on the planet randomly evolved from nothing for no reason whatsoever. And we're saying those are the smart folks. I'm not new confronting the dumbassery of random chance belief. What I did find fascinating though is you want to talk about the law of non-contradiction. Why would, why would you want to believe why would anyone choose to believe of their own volition in a non-instructive higher power? What's the point? What is the point? What is the point of that? I got to believe Christians or religionists and atheists alike could look at that person and said, you so dumb for real. Like this was the bed intruder of theological statements. What's higher than about the higher power? Exactly. What, what, 
And, well, and, you're you're impl- you're implying that you are. Well, that goes to the question I just asked about the previous show. Do they understand? I hate to go all Chris Tucker here, but do you understand the words that is coming out of your mouth? And when when you go and watch this scene, this isn't parody. I mean, this is this is like the this is like the 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 touching culmination culminating moment of this subplot that's gone on the whole season. I mean, this is said with seriousness, conviction. Why would you have any conviction about that? I believe I'm accountable to some, I'm, I'm going to hold, I believe I'm accountable to something that has no power or ultimate control. Like I get I get why human nature wants to strip God of his sovereignty so that it can do what it wants. Right? We get that. We're sinners. We get that. Explain to me. <laughs> explain to me why would why you would then though want to grant God's authority while at the same time recognizing or then saying he doesn't really have any means by which to wield it. What in the literal hell sense does that make? Does that make also within the relationship of NA? If we're if we're talking about accountability, that's account. If you're accountable to something, you're accountable because you understand it's either for implied reasons or explicit reasons mm-hmm. that there is something. Inst- instructive there. It's a non. Yes. It's a non. It's a non sequitur. Yeah, it and, really yes. is. And and the woman herself believes in that at least so much that she's a sponsor to somebody. She's the one holding him yes. accountable. She's a bit of the God role in this relationship. I have something to teach you, kid. Yeah, but when she carries that out to its logical conclusion, the brake screech. Yes. <laughs> Come on, guys. Let's let's not go so far. Why cling to a belief that is beyond powerless? Most of us reject God to empower ourselves, right? That's, that's Genesis 3. Ye be like God. And really what's, what's being said there is you will behave and act as if you are God. And you're not. But there's really, in the end, there's really one core sin. And... <clears throat> Or one sin that's the mouth of the river and all other sins are the tributaries and creeks and ponds and offshoots of this water source. And that one water source is, I'm God, not God. And all other sinful natures or sinful behaviors and notions and beliefs all stem from, I'm God and you're not God. Really, that's really it. Tell me how we get to a point where, God, you are God, and I recognize that. I just don't think that um, you have anything that you know while I, that benefits me from recognizing that. I think while, we, while I'm recognizing it, we've been help there, me to understand this. We've been there a long time, and not just within pagan progressives. This is what Aaron talks about all the time uh, about uh, how Christian hymns aren't actually like Christian. Christian. Yeah. No, I mean, really, this is where we want to go, Steve. This is where we want to live. 
So we want to acknowledge there's something more powerful than us that at the same time isn't much, isn't any more powerful than us and is governed by the same random occurrence and chance we are, yet we should hold ourselves accountable to a being that's governed by the same random chance and occurrence we are. And um, we should do so with the recognition that holding ourselves accountable to said being well, it has no, has really no benefit for us because nothing instructive is happening here. There's, there's not a, there's not a relationship exchange here. I give me the atheist any day of the week. I don't understand. I don't understand this. I don't get this whatsoever intellectually. What? Why do you want to believe in something well, you don't really right believe? There, you in? nailed it. You don't. You don't have to get it intellectually. That's not the point. It's just, it's all an emotional salve. Yep. And you can turn it on, like emotions, you can turn it on and off whenever you want to, arbitrarily. Yep. We we are a people, even though we're really smart, there's a difference between being intelligent and being bright. I would say I'm pretty bright. I wouldn't say I'm the most intelligent person in the world. Um there's a difference between so we have a, a in mass we have a very intelligent population we don't have a population that's very bright we have a a, a a country who is more interested in being titillated i think just because of the natural consequences of how successful we have been lends itself to um lends itself to being emotionally swayed because being emotionally titillated is a lot more interesting than intellectually i agree with you so if we if, if this character were a real person and we asked her based on your belief in a non-instructive god what standard or who told you that your addiction was bad why are you working 12 steps that you don't even actually believe in why are you why are you here at all why are you working through a, why are you working through this process and, at all? And why do you believe so much in how that worked for you that now you are sponsoring somebody right. under the guise of offering him something? Where where ultimately is the meat on the bone of this? What, why should he trust you? Where, where is your standard for rejecting his overtures on the grounds that he's not ready to accept responsibility right. for this? What, how, what 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 informs your standard to to come to that conclusion? Right. How do you know you're not falsely judging him? Where would you where would this where would this instruction that he wasn't ready for this responsibility where would you get the instruction from where from whom how would you know if you don't believe that the higher power is instructive then why do you pray that he would grant you this the the serenity to accept the things you cannot change I mean, if he's not an instructive God, how does he know what you can't change? Why would you take in? Because it sounds to me like if you're asking him to grant you to accept the things you cannot change, that's a form of what? Instruction. Why would you take instruction from a non-instructive God? Here's the point of the whole conversation we had here for the last 35 minutes. Those that reject God don't have any good arguments. And I mean it. They don't have a single good one. Their own arguments can't hold our jockstrap. 
And it's not because we're smarter than them or they're dumber than us. It's because God is God and they're not. And all their every all 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 are bad. None hold up to any level of any level of usual elementary scrutiny, let alone sophisticated scrutiny. And essentially amount to I want to believe whatever is convenient for me to believe at a given or particular time period. No matter how dumbass it is, no matter how contradictory it is, no matter how self-destructive it is, that's really what this is all about. Which is not saying, I know you believe this, whether asked in good faith or not, there are really good questions to be asked that's not, about. That's, that's exactly that's a right. Different yes. Argument. Yeah. yes. Yeah. And that's not to say there aren't some really smart people that are, as Aaron would point out, that are really intelligent or bright that have rejected God. C.S. Lewis just saying, was I, one of them. Yeah, I'm saying that the reasons they will give you won't line up, won't hold up to any level of scrutiny. They won't. They won't for 10 minutes, guys. And when C.S. Lewis was finally honest with himself by the grace of God, he admitted that yes. to himself. And that the same power that was in those apostles that Jesus looked at and said, I'm sending you out with, you, you have nothing, just two by two. And you don't need to, you don't need to go to a seminary, an evangelism school. You'll know, you'll have the Holy Spirit will tell you what to say and when to say it and to whom. That same power is in you and alive today. Because you know how foolish the worldview, the, the self-contradiction we just described was? Let me give you another self-contradiction. I believe in an all-powerful, sovereign God. I live my life as if I will be judged by that all-powerful and sovereign God as best I can. But by golly, if anybody asks me about my faith in that all-powerful and sovereign God or why I believe it or challenges me at all, man, I will avoid those confrontations. I will shut my mouth. I'll never bring them up. I'll never say a word because this finite, not nearly all-powerful person might mock me, might reject me. Should we, should we keep talking about the law of non-contradictions? Should we keep talking about who asserts things that are simultaneously just cannot be true? Because the stinking thinking around here ain't just for the progressives, my friends. Know what I'm saying? I hope that stung. Final thoughts, Aaron. Is it Christopher Hitchens who... Yes, I know, uh, yeah. The debates with Douglas Wilson. Yes. And, and the woman, after and watching those debates... There you go. ...sent Christopher Hitchens a note and said, I'm a progressive Christian. I agree with you that I don't have to believe in a virgin birth or a resurrection or that the, every word of the Bible is true to be a Christian. And Hitchens, before he died, famously wrote her a note back and said, Madam, might I... The, the, the vicious, virulent atheist wrote her a note back and said, Madam, might I suggest to you that if you don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Bible is true, and that Jesus was born of a virgin, you aren't any kind of a Christian at all. Is that what you're getting to? Yeah, that's what yeah. I was getting to. And going to your point, Steve, like the pro-life argument, the only reason why leftists have any hold whatsoever, any foothold whatsoever, is that even though we might be able to, to make good arguments, um, because there's there's nothing, nothing on, quote-unquote, their side. 
that can hold up under any scrutiny on that argument alone. As far as the existence of God, there's it's the same way. There's nothing. The only reason why atheists like Richard Dawkins, like the late Christopher Hitchens, any number of them have any foothold or any platform whatsoever or got to any prominence whatsoever is probably one uh, people they, they say what some God haters want to hear and two they have not faced any good challenges from Christ, from from Christians whether that's there there could be a lot of reasons for that and none of them are good so I that the challenge that you gave at the end that is apropos because as you said, the law of contradictions uh, can be if we're not careful, and if if we are, uh, if we're not careful, it can be a um, it can be a bear. As my buddy Ted Cruz says, you lose a hundred percent of the fights you don't show up for. Yep. Todd, final thoughts. So why don't we show up? What's the fundamental reason? It, it is an echoing of what Steve said, and Aaron echoed first. Uh, we are uh, told directly by the Lord himself, be not afraid. And we are a terrified people mm, these mm. days, terrified Christians as high on this list as anybody else. Now, we spend a lot of time talking on the show that the things we are deeply concerned about because we want to deal with them while we uh, have the ability to do so instead of handing them off uh, to our children. Uh, reading the Bible in context, it, it does it does not mean, you know, be a damn fool constantly uh, uh, singing uh you know, um, Shirley Temple songs, you know, no, be wise as serpents, understand how dangerous the game is, but then fight, fight with conviction and uh, don't pull punches because of fear. Uh, we really, and this Kavanaugh thing um, is just the latest embodiment, but has done it uh, perfectly. The signs are all over the place. We are without excuse. It's time to remember whose side we're on and it's time to get busy living or get busy dying accordingly. Well, if you liked our podcast today, if you have a few minutes, uh, you can leave us, please. We would appreciate it. A positive review there at iTunes and Stitcher. Click subscribe if you haven't done that yet. Thank you to all of you who have already done both of those things. We greatly appreciate it. Back at it again tomorrow with some buy, sell, or hold. Until then, John 317.